Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Have a Holly Commander Christmas. That didn't work. It's gonna. Clicky kaki mas. That's not it either. Wiki laki wa. Wiki idiotic reki mas. Merry Christmas. Merry kaliki maka. There it is. That's not what you were singing though. Because it's Commander Christmas, everybody. It is, and it's come early in August. How's it going, everyone? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And it is time, if you, as you can see, the wonderful, bountiful display of gifts in front of us for four brand new decks of Commander 2017 to be out. And we can finally talk about them. We've yeah. been holding them for a very long time because of game nights. We had this stuff early, and uh, but now you all know about all the cards, so we're allowed to bust them out and chat. And this is going to be our sort of first look show. So we are going to do a lot of extra content in the coming weeks because Commander product is such a big deal for us, obviously, yep. in our show. Um, we're going to start, and this first look is just kind of an overview of, of the entirety of the Commander 2017 set. Mm-hmm. There's so, a lot of stuff to go through. Yeah, there really is. So we're not going to get real specific on this episode. We're just going to sort of take a broad look at all the new cards, what's been reprinted, what hasn't. Uh, that kind of thing. And then we will have following episodes. We've got a lot planned, breaking down each single pre-con, breaking mm. down some of the new commanders. Uh, we've we've asked some of our friends to construct decks around some of the new commanders. Yeah, so we're going to be, that. Yeah. We're gonna be b- supplying a lot of commander stuff to you. Actually, on that note, if you are a first-time listener, a first-time watcher, or you know someone that is interested in getting into Commander, please tell them to subscribe and find the Command Zone podcast, either on YouTube or on the podcast, because this entire next couple of weeks will be dedicated towards Commander 2017. It can get anyone's foot in the door and is a great way to start for new players. Make sure they watch the new Game Nights, too, which just came out, and that's a good look at how these decks are going to play and how much fun they are. And yeah. Spoiler alert. They're a lot of fun. They are a lot of fun. All right, they before, usually are. Yeah, they usually they always are. And, uh, well, anyway, before we get into it, we need to talk about our awesome sponsors. Card Kingdom is going to be the best place for you to go to actually pick up this product. So if you're watching the show, you're a Commander fan. And Commander fans are going to want these things. If you use our affiliate link, which is cardkingdom.com slash C17, you, it'll take you directly to the page where you can pre-order these Commander 2017 pre-cons. And we're going to talk about them all today. Uh, I mean... Personally, I'm getting all of them. Yeah, I am too. I mean, right we, all, we always do, so that's no big surprise. But even if there's, you want to cherry pick, you know, after listening to some of our reviews about which one you want, that's still going to be the place to go. Because when you order cards through Card Kingdom that way, not only are you getting the magic cards that you want, you're also helping the Command Zone and Game Nights, you know, stay on, keep the lights on, as we yeah. always say, and, and keep coming out. So we really appreciate all that support. And specifically, the new affiliate link, because it's Commander 2017, is cardkingdom.com slash C17. So make sure you use that if you're going to be buying some Commander product. All right, our other sponsor for the show is Ultra Pro. Um, Obviously, they do a great job making a lot of really awesome products, including what you're seeing in front of you. They have these deck boxes that are themed to each Commander. They fit 100 cards sleeved easily with the tokens, as well as themed sleeves for each of the decks. And you actually can't see it here, but if I flip this around, you'll see that these have the new backs, the gray backs that the Eclipse sleeves have. And we call actually, it the Eclipse technology. I don't Eclipse know if that's the deck. official, <laughs> what they officially deem it, but yeah. that's what we call it. Um, and actually, because I know that full art like prints are usually a little more 
rough hewn, they can break apart more easily. With this stuff inside out, actually, they've improved it quite a bit. And we shuffled these up for game nights, and I enjoy the process immensely. Yeah. And you can get the playmats. Ultra Pro also makes the matching playmats. So you can have deck box, sleeves, playmats, all themed around your new commander. It's pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. The other way to support the show is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can contribute directly to the show. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and Ooh. this episode is dedicated to <gasps> Felix, Felix Thomas. Thomas. Felix, you rock. You also have a really cool name. You do have a cool name. And you got that superhero thing where you have two first names. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like Josh Lee Kwai. <laughs> or Jimmy Wong. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. It's our main topic, Commander 2017. First look, you're looking at it for the first time, and let's unpack what's inside. Yep, tribal, tribal, tribal. So that's what we've been sold. But there's actually a whole bunch of stuff in here that's for non-tribal decks, mm -hmm. uh, which is exciting to me because I've said before, tribal's not my favorite thing ever. Although this, this set has gotten me a little more excited about tribal than normal. Me too. So we're going to take a broad look, like we said. Uh, not breaking it down into real in-depth specifics. We'll, we'll wait for later for that. But I said we're going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ha-ha! Ur-Dragon. I see what you did you there. You got that? You got that? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's start with the obvious, the new legendaries. So there are some reprints and whatnot of legendary creatures, but there are 16 brand new legendaries. 16? I thought there were only four, one per deck. How does that work, Josh? <laughs> they always do three per deck mm -hmm. uh, in every year, but in some years they've done more, and in this one there's actually four per deck, although I don't know if it breaks down exactly like that. One might have five, one right. might have three. Um, I didn't break it down that way. But there's 16 total. Some are not – when you buy the pre-con – some of them you won't be able to run as the commander of that deck because, like, well, like this one, uh, Balin, the Wandering Knight, is a mono-white commander. Right. So, but that is a new legendary card, but if you take the pre-con, you can't really run Balin as your commander because <laughs> what do you do with all the green cards? Yeah. Um, so there's a few that are like that. There's some two-color ones. There's two different Tigams. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because there's two different timelines on Tarkir. So. It's interesting, you wrote this down here, that only the four main legends, the ones that are the sort of the leaders of each box, are tribal-focused. Every other legendary card in here isn't tribal necessarily, but it provides a whole list of new options for that color, uh, which, which is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's exciting. So you, even if the tribal thing doesn't excite you, there's going to be something in here for you. But the eminence commanders that are the lead singers of each deck mm -hmm. are the tribal commanders. But the, there's... At least two other options to run in the deck for, for the colors that they are, um, and sometimes more. So I did a little breakdown just so we could take a broad look at what the new legendaries, sort of what categories they fall into. So there's the four uh, tribal ones. I'll call those the eminence commanders. They're mm -hmm. the only four with eminence. And then there are two equipment-focused commanders. Uh, our buddies at the Commander and Podcast, their spoiler card was Nazan who actually comes with his own hammer. So Nazan and his hammer, uh, they're Pretty related. Cool I won't read the card exactly, and but that's one Balin of the equipment. As well. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's four that are sort of combat-focused. And by that, I mean they say if you deal combat damage or when you attack, um, they, they have to do with combat and attacking. Uh, mm -hmm. There's two that are involved with sort of instants uh, and sorceries. And, and interestingly, one of those ones, Kess, which was Alex Kessler's preview card or spoiler card. Very fitting. Um, you know, normally we're used to seeing that in red and, and blue, mm -hmm. and they added black uh, to Kess. So that's an, I think that's sort of what makes that card interesting is there's a, a whole other color you wouldn't normally get with that. Right. 
Uh, there's one that's kind of big mana. That's that's Ramos, which we'll talk about in a second. My boy. That's sort of a combo-y big mana one. There's one that's involved with activated abilities, which I'm super excited about. Again, talk about that in a second. There's one that's involved with life gain. And there's really only one that's sort of involved with uh, graveyard recursion or messing with your graveyard. And that's one of the tie gams. Yeah, and there's actually, not outside of these legendary creatures, there are other ones that are reprints. Correct. So there are a couple, like Kemble is more of a token-y build and goes in the deck. So There's these, Vela. There's, yeah, yeah Vela. there's some other ones. But I'm, I'm, we're talking only about the new ones. So yeah. as far as like new commanders you haven't had access to before, that's sort of how it breaks down. That's so, pretty sweet. You know, I, I, I am a little sad that they didn't print any partner commanders this time around. Yeah, I mean, we kind of knew they wouldn't. They never repeated, really, and especially not that quickly. So yeah. it's not surprising, but, man, I would love for it. I would love to have more partner options. I, th- I feel like that's something we will we'll get in the future, right? I definitely think we'll get in the future. And also, we have not even come close to exploring the full territory of what you can do with the current ones anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, okay, so Jimmy, we've got 16 new legendaries. Which uh, which one are you most excited about? This has been the one that I've been excited about from the beginning. It's Ramos, Dragon Engine. He's a 6-drop legendary artifact creature dragon. That's a 4-4 four, four for, for fl- with flying. So lame. But whenever you cast a spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ramos for each of that spell's colors. This screams Josh Lee Kwai. Yeah. And the crazy thing is you can remove five plus one, plus one counters from Ramos, and you can add Progenitus mana to your mana pool, which is two of each of the colors. And you can only do this once per turn, but you can do it at instant speed. Uh, it's pretty cool. Not to mention that you can cast this commander without having perfect mana because he is colorless, or she. Um I don't know. I, I'm just excited for this card because I'm finally going to be able to build a five-color dragon deck that isn't Scion or Earth Dragon. It doesn't have to be dragon either. Like It yeah, doesn't care sure. about dragon specifically. It just cares about you casting stuff with a lot of different colors. Right. Yeah, this card, it should be my favorite card or most exciting card from the set, but it has to fall to the numbers two slot for me. Um, but I am very excited about Ramos. It just seems like you can do a lot of broken stuff. Yeah, you can definitely do a lot of broken stuff. It seems like you can see it from a long way coming. The cool thing is you can use a lot of different ways to put plus one, plus one counters on Ramos as well. Good so point. it's not just casting like a five-color spell. But it's absurd amount of ramp. It's absurd amount. Like, you can cast Progenitus off this. This is crazy. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's probably a lot of cards that allow you to put enough counters on it that you actually gain mana by doing it. Right. Right. So And you get a uh, color. If it's like a two-color spell, you get an additional two plus one plus one counter. It's just from that spell alone or whatever. Yeah, good point. Oh, so interesting yeah. card. I think that card's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, some fun decks. My The one I'm looking forward to the most is uh, Marisil the Pretender. Marisil is one and Grixis, so four mana total for a 4-4 four, four human wizard legendary creature. It's an interesting card. When Marisil enters the battlefield, you may exile an artifact or creature card from your hand or graveyard and put a cage counter on it. So you either take a card from your hand or your graveyard, artifact or creature, and you put it off to the side and mark it. And then Marisol, the Pretender, has all activated abilities of all cards you own in exile with cage counters on them, but you may activate each of those abilities only once each turn. Right. Which they tried to make it fair. I guarantee you there are ways to break that part of it. But I said this earlier where I think Marisol's kind of like that character on uh, the TV show Heroes. Siler. Siler. Siler, yeah. Who could, like, steal the abilities of, like, other people's. And so, eventually, Siler got to the point where he just had a, a ton of abilities because he was stealing. Now, Siler had to had to kill the, the people to get it. But Marisol, Arguably, he didn't, though. I think we learned that later. In oh, the, yeah, yeah, when, you're right. When Heroes yeah. got better as the seasons went on, of course. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it got so bad. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, so Maris, I love activate abilities, you know, Tim Deck style stuff, and mm-hmm. this just seems like a really cool one with a lot of like interesting synergy potential. And the fact yeah. that they put that you can only activate those abilities once each turn, I think is good. Like it makes it so that it's harder to go infinite. Oh yeah, um, certainly. I mean, because you, you can just combine but... two cards that can go infinite together, and then Marisol is just an, a self com- infinite engine or whatever. But Marisol also steals the activated abilities of artifacts. Yeah, which is kind of cool. You can be a mana rock. Think of like right. Yeah. Or like Navinuel's disc or something where it doesn't come into play tapped because it doesn't get that part of it. It just gets the activated ability. Yeah, you just get to have Mirasa as a disc. Yeah. Or Basalt Monolith just taps for three minutes. Like, there's a lot of inter- a lot of interesting things. So um, yeah, just the activated ability, so it doesn't get the doesn't untap. The downside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So whoa. So there's a lot of cool things. I, I haven't really choice? thought it all out, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna do an episode about it at some point. Well, I'm sure we'll do Ramos also. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm going to build Ramos. You know, this would actually be really good in your Marchesa five-color deck. Yeah, I think so. Because the plus one plus, plus one counters, counters is nice, yeah. and the fact that you can, you know, you're looking to cast some crazy stuff in that deck anyway. Yeah, and it would be harder to kill because it's going to have plus one plus one counters, and then Marchesa brings it back. I like it. I like it. Um, okay, so we're not going to talk about all of them. Obviously, we're going to move on here. We will go in more in depth when we do the reviews for each deck. So. Ooh, let's talk about eminence. Yeah, so let's talk about the big mechanic from the set, which is eminence. It's broken. <laughs> it's very powerful. Now, we've had it's a chance. Broken. You know, we're lucky because of Game Nights. We had a chance to play with these decks, so we've seen it in action. Like we said, there's four commanders that have eminence, and eminence is ability that works either from your command zone or from play. So mm-hmm. I'll just read Edgar Markov just so we have some look at eminence. All the eminence works slightly differently, but they all work in the command zone or on the battlefield. So Edgar says, eminence, whenever you cast another vampire spell, if Edgar Markov is in the command zone or on the battlefield, you create a 1-1 black vampire creature token. So anytime you cast a vampire, pretty much wherever Edgar is, mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess you could let him go to the graveyard sometimes or come back to your hand, but in general, he's going to be in the command zone or in play. Yeah, You just get a vampire. You don't have to do anything else. You just Which get a really 1-1 impressive. vampire. Um, the fact that these all work outside the command zone reminds me of Aloro, and that yep. there are so many people that complain about Aloro being like sort of breaking the format of how the game works. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I do like all of the eminence abilities. Um, I like the cat one a lot actually because it doesn't specify it needs to be a cat, right? Uh, no, you you have to have a target cat. Oh, darn. Yeah. Never mind. I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So all of the tribal eminence abilities are tribal eminence, so it does take it down a notch in terms of the power level, yeah. but. It's still very powerful in a deck that's dedicated to doing that thing. Uh, just because, you know, I said this in the Game Nights and I said it in the last episode too, or one of the episodes that I didn't even want to cast my commander after a while. I was like, what's the point? I could waste my mana on this and still get the ability if I didn't waste it. it you said this also, I think, which is that it's very similar to starting the game with an enchantment. Yeah. Although an enchantment that can't be gotten rid of. It's kind of more like an emblem, I guess, but mm-hmm. you have an effect that's going to affect your entire deck and you don't have to spend any mana to cast it. You don't have to make sure you draw it. You're just going to get that effect. Uh, it's very powerful. I kinda think nuts. Edgar's kind of the best one. I think Ur-Dragon might be up there. Um, it just makes your dragons cost one less, though. Yeah, but you know, it adds up. Yeah, I, I do like... I mean, having that ability is like you got ramped across 80 different... You know, not true, true. Cards. You get you ramped across all your cards. But Edgar's is crazy because when he comes in and does his thing... Then it, it, he like works really well with both sides of his cards. Yeah, um, yeah. Arrow's good. Again, it's one of those things that I think doesn't scale great later. Um, Inala, 
I think Inala can be broken. Inala might be my second. Inala definitely favorite. can be broken, but not in the precon that she's built into. Yeah, that deck seems a little bit. Well, we'll talk about but it. But we'll later. discuss that. Yeah. If you guys didn't know, we do breakdowns of each of the decks, usually in pairs. Um, but now that there are only four decks this time, we only have to do two episodes. Sometimes we do two, two, one. It's a yeah, little awkward. It's a little awkward. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely talk about the decks and their power level and how to level them up. That's one of the things we do in our slate of programming for Commander yearly products. For Commander Christmas. Commander Christmas. So an interesting thing about this year is there's no like overall all mechanic. In years past, there was like the Undaunted mechanic. Right. And there was like the Myriad mechanic. And this year, there isn't. They didn't sort of make a new multiplayer mechanic for uh, the whole format. Now, they did some weird stuff. Like there's a card with Goad. Oh, yeah. There's, There's a, card a card with, with phasing. Phasing. So, that card is... I love this yeah, card, by the we're way. We're definitely going to talk about that card. Uh, but they didn't bring back an overall like mechanic that sort of ties everything together like they have in yeah. years past. So that's an interesting choice. I, I don't know what it means, but maybe they're, they felt they're not constrained by doing that every time now. Yeah, and also Eminence does seem like a big enough thing that... It's interesting because they... Yeah, they, that's a good it, point. If you look at the kinds of cards you have in these decks, it spans a much larger... I think this is... I like this set a lot because it seems like there's a ton of utility packed in each of the decks, mm-hmm. and except for maybe the cat one because it's so equipment themed. But like, just looking at all the Grixis commanders in the Anala deck, they're very different from another. Marisol could not be more different than Anala. Yeah, it's true. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the new stuff that's sort of in the '99. So, moving past the commanders and everything, there's a few cycles, and then there's some cards that are repeated. You know, mm-hmm. they'll. There's uh, one card that's in all of the decks. Yeah, um, Path of Ancestry. Yeah, it's a new land. And it's a common. doesn't matter because it's a commander product. But this is a land I think we'll, we'll see. Just It's one of those cards that we made like a commander template. This is a card that you just put in there. Yeah, I think this goes in a lot of decks. Not necessarily every deck, but it's very, very good. Any three-color deck and up, I would put this in there. So Path of Ancestry enters the battlefield tapped, and you can tap it to add to your mana pool one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. So that's the same as Command Tower. Mm-hmm. When that mana is spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander, scry one. So you said this really well. Uh, in a lot of decks, this is just an enters the battlefield triland. Which, which is would... playable in most three-color decks and up. Yeah. I, definitely four and five, you want this card for sure. Heck yeah. Because Even... there's no land that taps for four mana, right? Yep. Yeah. And you're not even going to necessarily need the scry part of it if it's just a four-color mana land. Like, if you could put another command tower in your deck that enters the battlefield tapped, would you do it? If yes. the answer is yes, then you're definitely putting this in there. If you happen to occasionally get scry one out of it, then awesome. You only need to do that a couple of times to really, like, get max value, I think, out of something like this. Yeah, I think once you're at two-color, uh, it's not as good because you wouldn't play just a guildgate or a scry land. And so how often do you have to scry to make that worth it? I think at least... I think you still play scry lands, but I agree. I mean, I, mean, it I does, don't play... It, it I, makes your mana base clunkier for no reason. Yeah, this I is, mean, scry lands obviously better than a guildgate, but it's... I don't know. I think scry lands are good. They're not great. You all yeah. usually play shock lands. I think you, mm-hmm. can, you can play it. It's not optimal, right, in two-color decks. Unless, again, you have, like... You're, if if you're playing like uh, an elf as your commander and you've got at least ten elves in your deck, then I think it's totally worth it, right? right. You're going to scry at least twice off it, probably. Yeah. Um, three color, you have to scry less because it's giving you more utility from the extra color. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I think it's we're going to see it a lot on the battlefield, and and a lot of people, and myself included, and you you too, because we have so many decks, right? So like our top five decks, yeah, they're running with great optimal mana bases. Yeah. Once you get down to my sixth, seventh, eighth deck i'm running a lot of janky lands because i just don't have that many awesome lands janky lands lee Kwai. yeah so you know once you get down to my lower decks this is going in a lot of them because yeah it'd be great if i had old school dual lands and shock lands for every single deck but i don't 
So this is just fine in those sort of yeah. you know middle tier decks. And definitely put it in any decks that have tribal themes. Yeah. Or even just like a bunch of humans, for yeah, instance. Yeah, exactly. You, I bet you'll notice that a lot of your decks, oh, well, I just have like my, my commander's a human and I just happen to have like eight or nine humans in the deck. It's not yeah. a tribal deck. It just happens to have that, in which case this land is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there are two cycles in the set. The first is the curse cycle. Do you want to read all of these? I think they're all really, really yeah. interesting to talk about. Regardless. We can just each one enchants a player, and then if any player attacks the the curse player, they get an effect. So we can just yeah. read the effects. So, so the white one, Vitality, is whenever enchanted player is attacked, you gain two life, and then each opponent attacking that player does the same. So everyone, uh, you gain two. It's it's really weird text. Yeah. So you put this on the player, and then when you attack them, you get the effect, and when anyone else attacks them, they get the effect, and you also get it. And we actually messed up this part of the interaction on the last game nights, if you noticed. It was a little confusing because it doesn't actually work like the old original curses in Magic. Uh, the blue one, when the enchant player is attacked, draw a card. Each opponent attacking that player does the same. So that one's pretty good. That That's pretty big good. incentive, right? If you put the blue one on, you're, people you're, are going to want to attack that player. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because it does... It's sort of like you're playing Arch Enemy a little bit by forcing everyone to attack one person. And it's, as we found in Game Nights, it's hard to argue against. It's like, well, I'm not going to not attack you if I'm going to get a card Yeah, like I'm going to get value. So. Imagine if they have a free block, too. Then it's like, I'm always attacking you. Yep. It only happens once, by the way. It's not for every creature. Right. So you, if you have five creatures, you can just attack one at the person with the curse and then the yeah. other four at you know, who you really want to attack. Curse of Disturbance, which is the black one. Whenever a chain of players attack, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. All right, not bad. I mean, getting just a free creature off an attack isn't bad at all. Yep. Opulence, this is one I like Surprisingly the most. Surprisingly good. Yeah, for the red one, red deck too. And it only costs one red mana. Uh-huh. Uh, whenever enchanted player is attacked, create a colorless artifact token named gold. It has sacrifices artifact, add one mana to any color to your mana pool. So it just gives you mana ramp. Yeah, it just uh, gives you one of those gold yeah. tokens. And then the green one is really interesting. Whenever enchanted player is attacked, untap all non-land permanents you control. Each opponent attacking that player untaps all non-land permanents here she controls. So... That's kind of cool. That's Combo City. Play it in like your uh, your Rishkar deck, right? Oh, God, it'd be so good in Rishkar. It's true. <laughs> um, I do want to point out that it's the same guy in all the art. Yeah. <laughs> so Mel Lee told, pointed that out to us uh, when she was on Game Nights, and they call it like the most unluckiest planeswalker. Yeah, the unluckiest planeswalker. <laughs> poor guy's just having a really bad day. <laughs> I like the Curse of Opulence one, though, because he's like, whoa, they're all throwing money? Whoa. Yeah, I got money just spilling out of my pockets. What's going on? Yeah, and the verbosity one is, it's the free information is happening because he's getting drunk at the table, which uh, I think is really interesting. Just, and, just and everyone's like everybody. listening in, yeah. Yeah. I think the white one's pretty bad. Yeah, the, the red one bad. and the blue one might be playable. Uh, maybe they're they're not great. These are among the first cards I would say to take out probably when you're building it. But yeah. you know what? They, it's not like they do nothing. I I think in any game they're gonna do a surprising amount of work. Both from the novelty factor, I kind of like the idea of yeah. you know, when they came down, I was like, heck yeah, I'm attacking this person. I want this benefit. Uh, and then the green one, I think if you have a deck that can really combo with it, then you should go all out. Uh, there's a second cycle of cards. Um, and again, there's one in each color. It's the Kindred Cycle, and these are tribal-themed effects. So there's Kindred Boon, which is the white one. It's two white-white for an enchantment. They all say as you enter the battlefield, you choose a creature type, or when you cast it, you choose a creature type. Mm -hmm. um, this one is as it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. And then you can pay one in a white and put a divinity counter on target creature you control of the chosen type. So if you're in the cat deck, you declare cats as you play this. And then at any time, you can pay one in a white and put a divinity counter on the cat. Um, and then each creature you control with a divinity counter on it has indestructible. 
So pretty good. I like that. This is interesting because there are cards from the past from Kamigawa that actually have divinity counters or get them or they yeah. matter. And so they already come in with divinity counters. Like there's probably some combo tastic stuff you can do with that. I think most of those are spirits. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and it's probably just good if you're just protecting, you know, normal run of the mill stuff. You have a, a tribal deck or something with enough of a tribe. Um, so it might even be good enough if you just choose the creature type of your commander in some decks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the blue one is called Kindred Discovery. I got this one out in game nights and it was pretty good. It's three blue, blue for an enchantment. As it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. And then whenever a creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield or attacks, you draw a card. This one's pretty high value because you play a creature, you already get the card back. And then when it attacks, you get another card. And if more than one attack, you get draw more than one card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this with the uh, Locust God. Oh, my goodness. I think it just goes straight infinite. Although I think it might kill you infinite really immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not a May ability. So, so all you have to is do is the locust got a May ability. Like, do you have to make the locust or not? That would actually, I think that might be a. We'll find out very soon. Yeah. So what happens is you, all you need to do is draw one card with Kindred Discovery on the battlefield, and then Locust God will trigger from drawing the card. And make a locust. Make that a triggers locust, Kindred Discovery. Yeah, and then they'll just keep going. So, uh, you it is not a May ability. Oh, so if you play this with Locust God, uh, you're gonna kill yourself unless you want to mill yourself out at that moment. Yeah, but it is a two-card combo. Kindred Discovery into Locust God into one draw. That's it. Yeah, That's all, folks. <laughs> That's all, folks. This, this seems pretty good in any tribal deck. Again, these are all tribal-focused, so you have to have enough yeah. you know, critical mass of that creature type to make it worth it. They're also very high mana cost. Yeah. Kindred Boon is four mana, Kindred Discovery is five, five, and this next one... This next one is seven mana, so it's Kindred eight. Dominance. It's five black-black for a sorcery. You choose a creature type and destroy all creatures that aren't of the chosen type. So it's kind of a one-sided board wipe for seven yeah. mana. Not very good the more common your creature type is. If you're like humans. Humans, not that yeah. yeah, Dragons, uh, maybe. Birds. Uh. You're probably fine if it's birds, although yeah. I don't know why you're in black. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know if that's good. It In Garrick's Wake is nine mana and just destroys all creatures and planeswalkers you don't control. Yeah. Seven and nine, there's a big difference there. I don't know. I don't know. That card might be playable. Uh, okay, the green one is Kindred Summons, also seven mana. Five green green. Uh, instant, choose a creature type. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal X creature cards of the chosen type where X is the number of creatures you control of that type. Uh, and then the rest get shuffled into your library. But those cards go onto the battlefield. So let's say you have five elves. You cast this. You reveal the top five cards. Oh, no, no you, you reveal, reveal cards until, until you get five you elves. Get five elves, yeah. So this card is actually... Potentially a game winner, right? This could just drive you right into the big combo pieces you need to win if you build your deck in a way that's like, actually... Especially elves, man, because you're going to get... You might have like 12 elves on the battlefield. This is the crazy thing. You could do this with, let's say, you're like, I'm going to choose creature type... um, Oh, guaranteed. Guaranteed one thing's going to come out of your deck if you build your deck to only have one other human. Yeah, if your commander is a certain type and it combos with another card of the other type... This will guarantee to get it to you, get you it as long yeah. as that's the only other like that type in your deck. Yeah, you have to have one of that creature on the battlefield. But if it's your commander, yeah, but if it's your commander, oh, you're, that's you're really in. interesting. Yeah, or so, let's say the locust god. If the only other god in your deck is Perforos, you yeah. guaranteed are going to get Perforos out, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Listen, we're not judges, the, it, so don't yell at us if we're getting ignoring some of these the really color wrong restrictions. No, it's correct. New cards always get us in trouble. We never made a mistake. But it feels correct. I've made a single mistake today. <laughs> 
Kindred <laughs> Charge. Four red red for a sorcery. This is the red one. Choose a creature type for each creature you control of the chosen type. Create a token. That's a copy of that creature. Those tokens gain haste, and then they exile at the beginning of the next end step. So you kind of kiki-jiki everything once. Yeah, everything, oh, everything of the chosen, of the to type. chosen type. Yeah, but that's still really powerful, I think. It is six mana, though, but if you're able to sack those guys into more mana, then it's not as big of a waste. It's just tough with these cards costing that much. I mean, there's got to be a goblin deck where that kind of wins you the game, is my guess. Certainly. And again, with Perforos Or even just like choosing, that. like, Seems insect, expensive for that. Right? You yeah. can play this in the Locust God deck. Doesn't, like, second harvest just double all your tokens? I guess this makes tokens of creatures that aren't tokens, though. Yes. I'm iffy on that card. It seems okay. The green one seems really good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think. It's seven mana, though. You can almost just tooth and nail for that amount. Yeah. I mean, once you're at seven mana, you should be tooth and nailing if you if that's the kind of win you're going for. Yeah. Although it's green, you know, you're going to have a lot of mana. So there's um, those are the two cycles, so we're going to move on from that. There are three cards that are sort of multiples in each deck. They're artifacts, and they don't, they're not in every deck, but there's like, you know, they're in two of the decks or they're in three of the decks. Um, right. The first one is Heirloom Blade. That's three mana for an artifact equipment. It costs one to equip, and target creature gets plus three, plus one. But then it says, whenever equipped creature dies, you may reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card that shares a creature type with it. Mm-hmm. And then you put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So This is almost a better Kindred Summons, except it doesn't go on the battlefield. You could do the same thing, right? Yeah, and it's if you're If you're going for that specific i only want to find one card although if it's your commander you have to let it die so it has right. to go to the graveyard for that to happen it makes it a little tougher um it's just val- good value i think in like a cat deck or something like that where yeah. you know just now when that creature dies you're going to get a card to replace it better you only play two pairs of every creature type in your deck so, so your that everything types, just yeah, gets one always specific gonna thing. get one specific thing yeah it seems okay yeah it's 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 only one to equip, so I like that part about it. Once you get it out, it's fairly cheap to sort of move it around and, and yeah. get value. And the thing is, the fact that whenever it dies, you just get a card is pretty sweet. I wonder if in, like, Shadowborn Apostles, it'd be worth it. You move it over, sack it. That gives get you the mana. Show. You get another Shadowborn Apostle. Yeah. And you can keep doing that. You I don't could, know you to could, what. You could get a lot of mana if you're doing, if you're, you you have Ashnod's Altar out. Yeah, you're getting you get extra mana, mana that you way. Get one mana for the yeah. Equip. Although you but have it, to doesn't, cast it doesn't the go into the battlefield. Yeah, you have to cast the Shadow yeah. Apostle. Well, you need Edgewalker. Okay, this combo is getting a little crazy. <laughs> um, another one of the cards that's in multiple decks, and we did get to see this one in action, is Mirror of the Four Bears. It's an artifact. It says as it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. That's a reoccurring theme in the set. Mm-hmm. And then you can pay one, and until end of turn, Mirror of the Four Bears becomes a copy of target creature you control of the chosen type, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. So it's very similar to Mirage Mirror, Except it only copies creatures of the type you chose and only yours. And it so costs it's way less. worse than Mirage Mirror. Well, it's two mana to it's cast one... and one to use instead of three and two for Mirage Mirror. So okay. It's a little cheaper, but yeah, it's very specific. I think this is good in like the dragon deck or the decks where your creatures are really expensive. So for one right. mana, you're kind of making one, but it's less good in like the cat deck or one of the ones where like, because you don't want to pay this to get like a copy of your two drop. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's also Herald's Horn, a three drop. Uh, as it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. This is an artifact. Creature spells you cast of the chosen type cost one less to cast. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card of the chosen type, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. So this is great in tribal. It's a three mana. I mean, hey, red-white could use something like this. Yeah. Um, in terms of just drawing it's you ramp extra and card cards. Draw, right? Yeah. 
On the same card. On the same card for three mana. So it's pretty good. Again, need to be travel for it to really work. Yeah, I, I think if you're not travel, you can't play basically any of these cards we just talked about. Yeah. Because um, they all require you to name a creature type. I mean, so. you can play them. You're just not going to have a good time. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to what we're calling the one-offs, which are, you know, single new cards. We're only going to talk about new cards here um, that have never been printed before. Yeah. Talk about that one. The, uh, this this card seems very very good and it also has phasing so I'm just I already like it. This card is it seems great. <laughs> you know this card would be really good with our spoiler card too, with uh oh that's a really good point the uh, the board wipe that we you float we, the mana yeah do this and then oh that's a good point it's not in the same deck as our spoiler card though it's no. in the uh, it's in the Edgar deck yeah Teferi's protection two in the white for an instant. My vote for best card of the set. That's best non-commander. Commander. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. Until your next turn, your life total can't change, and you have protection from everything. So what nothing mean? can happen to you, basically. What do you even mean? All permanents you control phase out. <laughs> While they're phased out, they are treated as though they don't exist. They phase them before you untap during your next untap step, and then you exile the spell. So you cast this, and then as an instant, let's say someone's like, Kiki-Jiki, make a million zealous conscripts. You're like... Sure. Go to combat? Sure. Swing them all at you? Teferi's protection. I have protection from everything, everything. and all my stuff is gone, so you can't even at touch my instant stuff. Instant speed until the end of the next, until your next turn, your next untap. So you still get to untap. There's like almost yep. no downside to playing this in any white deck other than you get a free pass. This just gives you a pass, like a get out of jail free card at it any also, point. If it also, a lot of these cards have a problem where, like, like Faith Reward or one of these cards, Second Sunrise, where you get your stuff back, but then the next person gets to go and they can still attack yeah. and do stuff. You get protection and your stuff is gone until your next turn. So if you say, go, Jimmy, on your upkeep, I just play this. I'm just safe until my next turn. There's, yeah. I have protection from everything. None of my stuff's there. You can't do anything. There's so many times I'm playing when I'm like, Ugh, if I only had one more guaranteed turn, I know I could pull this off, but I don't have that, so I got to take this line. Teferi's protection for three mana gives you that. 100% protection. I bet there's some loops you can get in where um, you just play this over and over. Well, know? it exiles itself, so you have to find a way to yeah, copy it. Yeah, to get it, it back. Or to get it in now of exile, to like rift sweep it of sorts. Yeah. Either way, this card is ridiculous. Uh, it's It really is ridiculous. I am kind of in awe at this card. Just It's like super fog. It's Yeah, it's super fog. It's super fog for all your permanents. It stops board wipes. It stops yeah. signatory removal. It stops just combo like dying to combo. It's like, really that Kiki good. player will be all tapped out, and then you get one more turn to stop them. Like, that is absurd to me. Yeah, that card seems great. Uh, yeah, I, I, you may be right. It may be the best card in the set. It's definitely going to cause a lot of times where somebody thinks they're going to win, and they do not win. Yeah. Because you have this three-mana spell. If someone's a holding up three-mana and has white in it, it could be Teferi's Protection. Um, from the Inala deck, the Wizards deck, there's a new Magus. Magus of the Mind. Four blue boo. Human wizard four four five four boo boo four uh, boo boo four blue blue, <laughs> uh, bay blue tap and sacrifice the magus of the mind. This is in the magus. It's a new card in this cycle that they've been going on for years. Yeah. It's the magus version of mind's desire. So you sorry pay blue tap sacrifice the magus of the mind. Shuffle your library then exile the top X cards where X is one plus the number of spells cast this turn, and then until end of turn you can play those cards that were excelled that way without paying their mana cost. So 
this is just a Megas version. It's the first time we've seen it. Uh, it seems really good just because yeah. it's just kind of a card that Storm decks like. There's Megas of the Wheel as well, uh, which is the... Um, the Wheel of Fortune, Megas of the Abyss, Megas of the Will, yeah. Megas of the everything. Jar. Will, yeah. Yeah. Is there a Megas of the Jar? Yeah, Memory Jar on oh, a stick. Wow. There's a whole bunch of them. The only downside is that now the original spell costs four blue-blue. This costs four blue-blue as well as a blue and the tap to activate it. So it costs a little bit more than the original spell. But it's a way to have redundancy in a deck if you're looking for another effect like Mind's Desire, which is well, pretty good. Well, I would also say that what you can do is play this and then wait till your next turn. And now you get this effect for one mana where it used to cost you six. Yeah, exactly. So, so if you're able to flash it in at the end of the turn and then go off and not have to spend six mana to storm off with Mind's Desire, then it seems like you're in great shape. If anybody casts Megas of the Mind and doesn't immediately activate it to, to do stuff, you kill that card. Yeah. That's, they're going to go off. They wouldn't cast it otherwise. Well, you never can You never can tell. You never know. You never, never know. You never know. All right, Shifting Shadow. It's a two and a red enchantment aura with some of my favorite art. That's how I feel every day, waking up in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, I'm awesome. I'm Wait, awesome. It's like you're either the tiny dinosaur from Jurassic Park or you're like the Ur Dragon. Uh, enchant well, I'll choose Dragon then. <laughs> yeah, right. So this is an enchantment aura. You enchant creature. Enchanted creature has haste and. At the beginning of your upkeep, destroy this creature. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put that card onto the battlefield and attach Shifting Shadow to it. Then put all the other cards revealed this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you get creatures every single turn that are always be, that will always be different and are always changing. And for three mana, that creature always has haste. Once you paid the original for three mana, you just get a creature with haste every turn. Yeah, unless now, someone what destroys... what will it be? Yeah. Yeah, no, someone no. can destroy the... Uh, or exile the creature, right? Is it when it dies? Y no, it's just at the beginning of the upkeep, you destroy this creature, and then you do the other stuff. Oh, so, so if, if it dies kill... before the upkeep. Yeah, if it dies in combat, it dies before upkeep. Um, doesn't mean you have to attack with it, but yeah, really, really interesting. The, car the Shifting Shadow has to kill the creature for the card to work to do the rest of its text. Interesting card. Um, here's sort of a new effect. I don't know that we've had... I could be wrong about this, but I don't know that we've had uh, a card that punishes specifically this thing before. So it's Crimson Honor Guard. It's three red red for a Vampire Knight. It's a four five has trample, but it says at the beginning of each player's end step, Crimson Honor Guard deals four damage to that player unless he or she controls a commander. So it sort of punishes my decks, decks that don't play their commander a lot. Yeah, I don't think this this kind of effect has ever been done. I can't think of one off the top of my head. And four damage is quite a lot. Yeah, it's a five mana spell to get out, but it's kind of like like sulfuric vortex, but mm -hmm. on crack. You know, it's like going a little bit harder in the paint. It's each player's end step and deals four damage to the Melissa Control Commander. So it's a lot of damage over time. Especially if you're in a deck that's not really likely to cast its commander or not going to do it quickly. Yeah. Um, anyway, I kind of liked that because it was it was felt like it was aimed at me. Very unique ability. Yeah. It was definitely not aimed at you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goad has returned with Disrupt Decorum. 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 Disrupt Decorum. Darn it. I made a mistake. I said <laughs> I hadn't made one today yet. <laughs> No, no, it came back, yeah. Two red red for... <laughs> I haven't made a mistake since my last mistake. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Two red red for a sorcery. Goad all creatures you don't control. Until your next turn, those creatures attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you if able. Dinner and politics don't mix. Very true. Uh, this is a great card, actually. There are a lot of, like, Master Warcraft is a card that I always yeah. want to play in decks that allows you to control combat steps, but this just forces everyone to attack everyone. Everyone to attack each other, too. They can't attack you. Yeah. It seems actually pretty good and seems can really cause good. a lot of mayhem. And it gets rid of their blockers, right? Because mm -hmm. they have to attack. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that card. Yeah, and like it may cause a lot of also hate amongst the table if people don't know how to deal with it correctly. Well, and there's also, you know, you think, oh, it won't cause hate because the players know that they have to attack each other and you caused it. But the thing is, if you're in a four-person game and you play that, when it comes to my turn, I have to attack somebody, but I still have a choice. I can attack this person yeah. or that person. So each individual person can be mad that I didn't choose the other one. So there is still some responsibility in my head. Add a couple of creatures in there that are like, this one has Annihilator. Oh, I'm so sorry. It has to come at someone. You know, like you're going to make some enemies if you're forcing the right creatures to attack with Disrupt Decorum. I like it. Uh, here's an interesting one. I had this in the Game Nights game. I don't want to spoil how it turned out, but I'll just say that it took me a long time holding it in my hand over a few turns to figure out how to use it in a good manner. So it's Fractured <laughs> Identity. You used it very well, by the uh, way. Yeah, but I was staring at it for a long time because, well, it's three, a blue, and a white for a sorcery. It says Exile Target Non-Land Permanent. That seems good. Five mana, but that seems good. But then it says each player other than its controller creates a token that's a copy of it. So, <laughs> Very bizarre. It's super bizarre. You cast this and then... It, it's exiled from the person you cast it from, but everybody else gets one. It makes you go, well, geez, if that thing's bad and I want to get rid of it, do I want three more of it to exist? I mean, I want to have one probably, but I don't know if I want two other ones from my other two opponents. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you have to watch Game Nights to see what happened with this card because yeah. it, it, it... It definitely has interesting interactions that you wouldn't think of, and it yeah. combos in weird ways with other cards. I was thinking about this, maybe a Zedru deck Oh, interesting. wants to give... You know, Xedra's trying to give stuff to people. Well, this mm -hmm. gives three of it to your opponent, so you could do right. your own thing, right? Because it says, also, like, a, a Nekusar deck might want, like, do this on your own. Oh, sorry. My Nekusar is five colors, so I can have this card. Yours probably isn't, so yeah, you can stop writing your comment right now. But if in Nekusar, like, Howling Mine, now yeah. there are three Howling Mines. I don't care who has the Howling Mine. I just want more of them. It's interesting with Zedru because he wants permanence that you control it with other people, but this I this this thing of having other people have stuff is still kind of in the spirit of the Zedru deck. I'm yeah, there's some cards that sort of like are bad for you if you have them, so you can yeah. cast that, cast that, give it to everybody. It's interesting. I don't know. Okay, all right. Traverse the Outlands is a four and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to X basic land cards where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Wait oh a second. God. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Five mana. Five mana, wait, wait. But isn't, doesn't green have a lot of power on their creatures? But those cards onto the battlefield tap and then shuffle your library. So for five mana, you could ramp yourself for like five lands. Easily. Uh, easily, yeah. Think of like, we play Explosive Vegetation, right? That that just goes in a lot of green decks. That's four mana, get two basic lands. Yeah, this is five mana. This is mana. always, almost always going to be like more than that. It's usually going to be at least five lands, right? I would hope so. I mean, it could also be zero lands if you don't have any creatures in play. That's or if you cast this and then someone like exiles your target, your biggest creature. That's a good point. But what if you're like in Xenagos, right? You give your creature double oh power, you gosh. attack, and then you cast this, and now all of a sudden... You have every land in your deck on the library. This is good in two-color decks. A lot worse in three-color decks. Yeah, I could easily see it being where, like, listen, I can get 12 lands, but I only actually only yeah. have eight basics that I can get. Hey, but so what? Five mana, get 80 of your basics into play is still mm -hmm. good, right? Uh, this card seems bonkers to me. I think that's going to be one of those cards that people play it and everybody groans because they just have so many lands now. And then think of like Gitrog monster decks, decks that just want to get lands into play to do crazy stuff with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that card's really good. So that's, again, we're not going to talk about every new card because we're going to go over each of the pre-cons. Those are sort of the highlights, the stuff that stuck out to us I like uh, that we wanted to talk about. But now we're going to move on to some of the notable reprints. We won't go over these a lot. We just wanted to mention some of them. Um, because, you know, one of the things that's good about the pre-cons is they tend to be very high on the value uh, scale. 
So you tend to buy a pre-con. It costs 35 right. bucks or so, and you actually get you know $60 worth of cards or whatever. Now, I will say what tends to happen is that's the price at the start, and then because of all the reprints in this, the prices will get depressed for a little while. So we're going to talk about some of – we won't call it specific prices necessarily, but you know those are going to change because of the reprint. But then a lot of these cards are – a little bit expensive for a reason and they will tend to climb back up over time so and we've um, seen that with a lot of cards yeah. too like um commander sphere and stuff and like even uh arachnogenesis like cards yeah. that definitely like are underwhelming cards at first or or cards that you just sort of like oh that's really powerful but you know it seems to be printing a lot they definitely raise up over time look at like chromatic lantern that got reprinted last year and right. it's already really way back up to to what it was before so the reprint didn't actually hurt the price that much so i would suggest listening to the episode we did with jason alt about looking into commander 2070 and tribal and sort of what to expect and he uh, was spot on yeah i'll say well like it turns out jason knows about finance but this is also good to think about because it might be time to pick up these cards right when this product comes out if these are cards you wanted because they're going to be sort of the lowest they're going to be for a while, and then they're going to tend to climb back up, yeah. probably. Usually, the more they relate to the set they come out in. So, for instance, Chromatic Lantern went up because four-color mana bases yep. are just harder to achieve now. So, the more they relate to the set that they come out in, the, the higher potential they have to go through the roof. If So, so I'm not going to read all these cards. I'm just, I mean, the, the text on them. Uh, I'm just going to read off some of the sort of standout mm-hmm. value stuff. So, Black Market is a card. Fun uh, got reprinted a few years ago, but it's still, you know, above $4.00. Door of Destinies, uh, is a, a few dollars. Captivating Vampire, actually quite expensive, um, and it's in the Vampire deck. So really cool card too. Yeah, that's that's a great card. Blade of the Blood Chief, again in the Vampire deck, another card that was just surprisingly uh, costly. Um, I think partially because Vampires as a tribe doesn't have a ton of support, so the good tribal Vampire cards are right. just in higher demand. Um, My Mar- girl, yeah, your girl, Marchesa the Black Rose. I think this is the first time she's re- been reprinted since. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Since she's conspiracy. Yeah, so she was never that expensive to begin with, but it's just another great way to get a Marchesa. It's know. a good commander. I think she's she's probably like six or seven bucks. I think. Yeah, it's um, about that. She might have gone down. It's a good commander. It's a great commander. Sorry, it's a it's a great commander. But Thank that was you. there was only one place to get it before. And now there's a second, so that's good. Um, Decree of Pain, which is one of the better black board wipes, uh, draws you a card for every car- creature it destroys. So that's yeah. pretty good. That that was creeping up there. Um, I'll let you. T- oh, Haven Ghoul Lich. Is another one. I, I was surprised. This yeah, this is one that lets you cast creature cards from. Um, oh right, right, graveyards. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it gains activated abilities, so it's like. It kind of Mar- It's kind of Silar, Silars. Silar, Silas, Silas Ren. Uh, <laughs> Nin the pain artist. Yep. The pain another, artist. Sorry, another singular. sort of surprisingly worth a few dollars. Now none of these are worth like twenty dollars. They're all like four or five bucks or so. But yeah, the big one here is Sign of the Ur Dragon. That for sure is is a very high value reprint. Um, this card is also just great. So many decks are built around this. I mean, so. Scion is probably still the best dragon commander. Mm-hmm. So even with Ur Dragon, so yeah, Scourge, Scourge of Valkus. This is one of my favorite dragon cards in the Dragon Tribal deck. And look at all the red in its mana cost, too. Yep. Udvara Hellkite, another Ooh. one that's not super expensive, but, you know, every dragon deck wants an Udvara, so yeah, that, that's a that's a good one. Um, There's Rockshock Golden Cub. This was surprisingly expensive. Um, I think it's because it's an old card, right? It's from, yeah, and they're just it, – maybe it hadn't been reprinted or something. I don't know for sure, but it was surprisingly costly, and it's good in the 99 of a cat, dra- uh, cat deck. Yeah, and it, this is a card that I think you should definitely pick up because the cat travel deck and this go perfectly hand-in-hand, hand, so – uh, I mean, it's it's it was reprinted in this set, so yeah. Mm-hmm. If you need it for something else, or you're not buying that, 
it's going to go down now, and yeah. I would grab it. Yeah. Leonin Shikari, which yep. is sort of the staple for any equipment deck, you can essentially activate equi equip costs at instant speed. So pretty good. Yeah, and that's a good point, right? Because that the equipment decks span the spectrum of all the colors. So yeah. it's Leonin Shikari just isn't something that's only going in a cat deck. It's going to go in a lot. So it's probably going to climb back up over time. Um, the big one, I think the most expensive. Listen, we could be wrong. We're not finance guys, but I believe that the most expensive reprint overall. Um, is Marari's Wake. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly what the price point on it is right now, but that is reprinted in the Cat deck, and that's a really good card that goes in a ton of decks, so I'm happy to see that reprint. Um, and then Quietus Spike was another one that just... Speak. Yeah, there's some other ones that are, you know, in the 2 and a half to $3 range. We didn't call them all out, but these are sort of the standouts. Um, nothing huge, huge. No, and I'm not that surprised, actually, because there's... it's. I think a lot of the cards in the set, I think they're valuing them a little higher i think they're gonna go up um i think also like jason has talked about this when he's on our show it's if they actually put too much value in in any of the decks then what has happens is people tend to you know like stores or or finance people right. tend to buy them crack them open and then nobody can actually find the pre-cons yeah i mean and that uh, happened that's happened like two or three times now over the past sort of yeah few years true and, name nemesis kind of caused that and the attracts yeah. deck is more popular than the rest and nobody can find that now and honestly too i really hate the idea of people cracking open pre-cons to get one card out of it that happened with true name nemesis and I would much rather them be an internal masters pack or yeah. like an iconic masters kind of thing because that's just a better way to get I think honestly more copies of a card out there. Um yeah. So, I'm not too worried about it. There seems to be a lot of value in the cards already in here, so. I mean, I guarantee and we didn't do the full breakdown of the decks, but they always do it and you know, it's like $35 or $40 for the deck and you get right. like 90 to $100 worth of value and it's probably going to be similar this time. Right. Um so that's good. Uh because a lot of cards, it's just hard to have 100 cards, and they're all worth 35 cents. <laughs> yeah, know? I agree. Okay, well, let's we added a new category. So we haven't done this in the past, but I thought it would be interesting. Let's talk about some notable not reprinted cards. So there had been speculation previously about what cards would be included in this set. And, you know, once again, Jason Alt uh, turned out to be, and I know he was sort of, uh, riffing off s some other article by somebody else. I know Jason's the one that came on our show and talked about it, so he opened our eyes to it. Um, there's a certain class of cards, and he was correct. They did not reprint anything that sort of affected all tribal things, like Coat of Arms. Yeah. It just would not have made the play experience that fun, I don't think, honestly. It totally made sense when he talked about it, but, you know, we easily could have seen Coat of Arms in one of these decks, and it wouldn't have been like, what are they thinking? It I would have expected Coat of Arms in yeah. one of these decks. yeah. Anyway, we wanted to talk about the stuff that's not getting reprinted because if you're fast here, because EDH players, they move a little bit slower, you might be able to grab some of these because a lot of these are very good in the decks before the price sort of jumps. Some of these, the, the boat has sailed, but maybe you'll get lucky and be able to grab some or mm -hmm. at least... Or even at like a store or in a bargain bin box, you might be able to find some of these. Yeah, so we just wanted to go through some of the ones. Now, Coat of Arms is one that I, I any tribal deck that's sort of going wide in any way is going to want. So... You know, maybe Wizards doesn't want it because they're they're not as focused on the power of their creatures, but they might mm -hmm. honestly because Anala's making tokens. Dragons, maybe not. You're putting out fewer dragons, but cats, vampires for sure are going to want this card. Yeah, yeah, it just pumps all of your stuff. Mana Echoes is actually just a very powerful card, and I'm not surprised they didn't reprint it considering I think it's higher in the value level as well. Well, it went up on speculation that they wouldn't reprint it, and yeah. people were right. So it might be too late to get Mana Echoes. Again, though, is it going to push even higher now because it didn't get reprinted? Like People before were just guessing it wouldn't be reprinted. Now we know it's not being reprinted, so 
I'm not sure what that's going to do. Patriarch's bidding is another one we talked about with Jason. Yeah. The thing is, the demand will curb how high it actually goes. Because if not that many people are looking to even just get Mana Echoes in general, but the fact that it's an older card, I think, gives it a higher risk of staying at the higher price or even going higher. Yeah. And I think now, again, with the tribal theme, everyone's going to be t- just making tribal decks for the next like little bit. Yeah. Patriarch's bidding as well. It's a very powerful card for tribal. Um, each player chooses a creature type, and then you return all the creature types of that way to your graveyard to the battlefield so everyone gets the benefit from it which is one of these again these cards affect everyone so that's probably why they didn't put them in the decks it's possible that these cards won't rise anymore in the short term because in your play group there might be a, a situation where for the next couple of months there are a, a number of tribal decks right and so coat of arms isn't great or or you know patriarch's bidding isn't as good but then three or four months down the road when everything's sort of settled back to normal and people are you know, not playing their tribal decks all the time mm-hmm. because they're not the newest deck they've got, then at that point, Patriarch's bidding, you know, maybe slots into your deck now and it's usable because you're not often facing other tribal decks. Be careful otherwise. Yeah. Descendant's Path, one of my favorite arts by Therese Nielsen. This um, card is going to be sweet. Yeah, especially in these tribal decks. Yeah. It's not great, though, in multiplayer because just at your upkeep, it's sort of like, it takes forever for it to start going, but still a good card. Um. We should read that one because I don't know if people know it. Oh, yeah. So this is from Avacyn Restored. Yeah. Yes. At the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card that shares a creature type with a creature you control, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Woo, cast. Yeah. So if you have an Eldrazi-only deck, you could cast. It just has to share a creature type with a creature you control, too. So yeah. it doesn't have to share it with all of them or anything. So you could maybe even play this in a deck that just was heavy in one tribe or had two tribes. Right. Uh, and it's an enchantment. It does that every turn. So that's just a lot of value. Yeah, especially because um, you get the card for free out of, you know. Five color dragons, it. it's really good because you just get so much mana value. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Uh, another one is Belby's Portal. Belby. Which is sort of similar to, like, Quicksilver Amulet or something. So it's a five-drop artifact. Um, it enters the battlefield. You choose a creature type. And then you can pay three and tap the portal and put a creature card of the chosen type from your hand onto the battlefield. So yeah. it very much is like Quicksilver Amulet, but it only works for certain creature types. Yeah. It also costs one less to activate, but one more to cast. So yeah. the first time that you use it is going to be equal to the same amount as a Quicksilver Amulet activation and usage. But for three mana for the rest of the game, you get to do that for tribal stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. I would, put, if you are a tribal deck, this goes in over Quicksilver Amulet. Probably, yeah. Especially if you're a tribal with like a lot of big effects. Yeah, big yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, Steely Resolve, uh, which is pretty good. One in the green for a two-mana enchantment. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type have Shroud. So you kind of, what's the other one? Asceticism? Asceticism, a bit? Yeah. yeah. So I could see that being very, very strong in... It's tough in the cat deck, right? Because you want to be able to equip stuff. So Shroud's Ooh, not good. right. Good point. But in some of the decks where you're not sort of targeting your own things yeah, as much. Yeah, targeting your own things as much, it might be good. Again, dragons, you just don't want to spend seven mana on a dragon and they just go swords of plowshares, right? Yeah. So uh, I think that's a good one. There's Mutavault, which is a land that turns into a creature that has all creature types and that can help you just get to critical mass. It, you know, some of these require certain amounts of things to get going or mm-hmm. to have a good effect, certain amounts of, you know, cats or wizards or whatever. Um, and then Urza's Incubator is one that didn't get uh, reprinted. And, and it's an artifact that when it... Uh, you choose a creature type, and then all creatures of that type cost two less to cast. Yeah. So it's Pretty good. really good because it only costs three mana to put out. Yeah, and it ramps every card in your hand, essentially. If, if yeah, it's, all if the it's tribal like, cards. All the tribal cards, yeah. Yeah. So those are some cards that did not get reprinted. Uh, a lot of those are, say, choose a creature type, so they don't actually work for your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're really good, and I think people were waiting to see if they would be reprinted. We know they're not. So something to look at. I'm not saying go run out and buy them right now. Uh 
but if you're fast enough on some of that stuff, you might be able to grab it before it spikes. Yeah. Uh, it just depends. Yeah. All right. To the listeners, how do you guys think Commander 2017 looks? Good? Bad? Awesome? Great? Terrible? <laughs> mediocre? Let us know. Uh, the scale was all over the place. Yeah, it was all over the place. <laughs> and it had no, it was just like ping, 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 ping. It was like ping pong back and forth. Um, I would like to know which deck or legendary creature you're the most excited yeah. for. Um, and also which deck you think is the weakest and the strongest um, based on our Game Nights episode maybe. Because uh, I thought for sure the episode was going to go one way and then it did not. So uh, Yeah, I wish it went the original way, but it didn't. Yeah. yeah. But it was still sweet. You got to see the decks in sweet. action. I think all the decks were pretty sweet. And they all played very differently as far as the strategies they were employing, which I thought was made the game cool, right? Yeah, for sure. Everyone had the very specific thing that they were doing, and you could tell that was what the me- deck meant to do. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested to see what people are most excited about from the set. Is there, like, from the... Yeah, some combo that we haven't seen or something, too. Yeah, or what legendary... You know, from the last uh, Commander product, we could tell pretty early on that Atraxa was going to be, like, the most popular one, and I'm curious yeah. to see what this time everyone's just sort of naturally gravitating towards. So let Ramos. us know that. Email comment section uh twitter facebook all good places we would love to hear what new legendary or deck you're most excited about yep something i'm excited about you know what else is awesome you know what else is awesome is our sponsor cardkingdom.com slash c17 make sure to use that affiliate link dot or slash c17 this time rather than the normal one to order your commander product it really will help to support the show and keep card kingdom supporting us so we can keep making this show and game nights and other awesome content that you enjoy and i've seen some comments asking like hey i made some purchases in the past i forgot to use the affiliate link it's really easy all you have to do is email card kingdom um their email is available everywhere or tweet at them and be like hey my name is so-and-so or hey this is the email or here here's my order number i meant to use the affiliate link can you just apply this uh, and let them know and it's very easy for them to look at find the order be like okay great this is what you know, this would have gone through the affiliate we'll link. We'll give now the we guys know. credit for that, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. And it does help out a lot. So if you've ever made the purchase and realized you didn't use the link, it takes less than a minute to fix that issue. Just yeah. email, talk to Card Kingdom. They're, they will be there and read the email. We really appreciate the support. Uh, another way to support the show is to use Ultra Pro products. Ultra Pro, one of our great sponsors. Again, they've got all this awesome Commander 2017 themed stuff. You know, somebody was asking us about the banner. So we've got a scroll banner with Nickel Bolas on it behind us if you're watching the video, which is a new thing that uh, Ultra Pro tried. Now, it was popular, so it's hard to find, but you can still find it out there, mm-hmm. sort of uh, online retailers and local gaming stores. And it's, it's a pretty sweet thing. It's like cloth, and it's not like a normal just paper poster. It unrolls. So that's something to look out for that I think a lot of people would be excited. You know, we like to use it on our set. So. It looks so good. Yeah. I keep looking back at it being like, man, what a great low set piece. We just need them to make about 10 more of those, and we can fill the whole area with them. And 10 might be too many, maybe like five or six. 10 might be too many. Yeah. Uh, time to talk about the end step where we mention and discuss something cool outside the world of magic. I got something. Oh, or you got something? No, go. I was just going to say basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is sweet, actually. I'm so excited that this is happening. Yeah. So I've, for the long, I grew up playing golf. I grew up playing ping pong and racket sports. And all of those sports are very much form and precision and. I was always bad at ball sports. So soccer, I trip over my feet all the time. Basketball, I just can't dribble. I can't shoot. I can't do anything. And once I get, once you, here's the thing: all the sports I mentioned earlier do not involve me physically being in contact with anyone. <laughs> That's true. Right? That. It's just like you on They're your side. Sports, yeah, yeah, non-contact sports. And so recently, I started to play basketball more with my friends. And Josh has been playing basketball forever. I feel like, 
and it's been a blast and i'm dedicated to getting good at it now i walked into the office today and he's like got a basket he's like i bought a basketball <laughs> and a pump yeah i'm like this is sweet this is awesome so hopefully it'll get me out running around more too because uh I it's to- such a good workout yeah. holy crap yeah. especially because it's been really hot in la so i just sweat endlessly but at the same time you're playing a game and it's the same reason i love playing magic it's a game it's you're having fun while doing it and then you feel like you're improving every time too i often say that magic is like basketball is like a sport but for learning right so Uh, okay you know it's great for your kids because it sort of tricks them into learning math and reading comprehension Mm -hmm. you know they have to to enjoy the game and basketball is the same. It tricks you into doing cardio and strength training and stuff like that. So yeah. there's, no, they're great. I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to play more basketball. It's going to be I great. Got, I'm so rusty. But then we can challenge Marshall some one of these days. Oh, I heard that guy And all sucks. those guys. He's like 6'4", though. You don't even have to be that good when you're 6'4". Not when I'm defending you. <laughs> you'll feel like <laughs> you're... This is you'll feel like you're, Marshall. Yeah, you feel like you're 2'5", two, two when, you're, when just, I'm defending you. Just don't hold it up there. Come on. He's just like this. Have you even dribbled yet? <laughs> hey. hey, 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 I want your team pass it to me. <laughs> That's what I have to go to. <laughs> this is a good end step. I like this one. Uh, <laughs> something else I like is the Masters of Modern oh, Podcast. You know what else you like? <laughs> Masters of Modern Podcast, our sister podcast. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman are the hosts. Kessler actually got to preview his own card, which was Kess Dissident Mage. Because of the name of the card was so similar to his name, they were like, "You got to preview this one." So that's pretty yeah, sweet. That I like the really Wizards awesome. did that. We're also going to have Kessler on uh, an episode very soon because we had asked him to do a build of Kess. So we're going to go through a, a build of one of the new legendaries. We're going to do that with a couple of them. We'll have our friend Josh Kim on. Yeah. Uh, we've got some other ones planned. So look forward to that. Again, a lot of extra content this month because of this commander release tons of extra content uh you can find the master of modern podcast on twitter at the mm cast also collected.company which is our magic hub online and you can check out the video versions of this podcast thanks to our editor terry robertson make sure you go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast which also features an intro and outro graphic from jeffrey palmer who does living card animations you can find him on twitter at living cards mtg since we're talking about a bunch of new cards and you can't look them up right now because Gatherer and a lot of things haven't been updated yet necessarily, make sure you check out the videos. You're going you're gonna to need them. That's a really good point. Videos are best for these Commander uh, 2017. Anytime we talk about a lot of cards. Videos sure. are always best. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you're driving, then please listen and don't watch. Don't watch. Safety first, everybody. Aha. All right. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>